Welcome to the Currently Cringing Podcast. I'm your host, Anisha Ramakrishna. I'm a TV personality and entrepreneur. Join me as I spill the chai on my cringeworthy life experiences with a side of dating, pop culture, and lots of laughs. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to the Currently Cringing podcast. I'm your host Anisha Ramakrishna. I'm a TV personality and entrepreneur. Join me as I spill the chai on my cringeworthy life experiences with a side of dating, pop culture, and lots of laughs. Hey guys, welcome to Currently Cringing. Today my guest is psychologist and sex therapist Dr. Kate Balistrieri. Did I say your last name right? You did. Okay. Yeah. What do people say when you tell them you're a sex therapist? <laughs> so many things. Um, sometimes they just cringe and get really curious about why, but sometimes they make really interesting, objectifying comments. I think there's a lot of misinformation about what sex therapists do and why this is an important field. So people project a lot. Absolutely. And I was so excited to talk to you because in my own journey in life, you know, and we'll get into sex positivity. I really want to talk about that. I, mm -hmm. you know, grew up in a patriarchal culture. I'm Indian. And obviously, I have a strong mother. I have strong role models who are women in my life. But my entire life, I was told sex was bad. And, mm -hmm. you know, your boys are bad. Men are bad. You know, cover, your, cover yourself. Yeah. You, you don't show your body. And then I also mm -hmm. went to a Christian school from elementary all the way through high school where, you know, you're told again, don't have sex, abstinence, save yourself till marriage. So I was a late bloomer. And then with my own insecurities with my body, I hated my body for so many years. So for so long, I didn't like sex. I was uncomfortable talking about sex when people are generally in those late teen years, 
exploring their body, getting boyfriends, having sex or starting to have sex. You know, I had never kissed a boy. So that continued for most of my life then because I think it just becomes a pattern, right? Mm -hmm, And so mm -hmm. I only became comfortable with my body at 36. I'm turning 38 now. So sex is actually still very new for me, you know, even though obviously I've had sex, I've enjoyed sex at times, but Mm -hmm. it's still very new. And a lot of it still makes me uncomfortable. And I was in a relationship for 12 years, was celibate after that for four years. And I Mm. researched a lot of your work and I loved it because I look back and a lot of my not wanting to have sex was, A, I didn't have a high sex drive because I was on birth control. Mm-hmm. That was my mm-hmm. situation. And then, mm-hmm. of course, mental fatigue. You know, you're just drained emotionally right. and yeah. low self-esteem. Those were my mm-hmm. reasons. And, you know, s- slowly got out of that. And now I'm with my fiance and we're both busy. So we actually have to make time to have sex, which sometimes you feel like is something wrong with me because I have to schedule that. I'm so grateful that you're bringing that up and and really that you're sharing all of this. Um, Thank you for sharing your story. It's a story that I hear very commonly with, with a lot of women about really feeling uncomfortable around sex until later in life. Um, But specifically, a lot of couples are really curious about what it means about them that they have to schedule sex. And the truth is, it means you're busy. (laughs) Right. And I think we have a lot of um, ideas that sex should be spontaneous and always come from this endless wellspring of libidinal energy. But that's just not reality. So you're okay with that? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Scheduling sex is important. Pretty normal. I mean, yeah. I don't know how else to, you know, because mm-hmm. we're both very busy or when he's mm-hmm. home, I'm not home. And the number one question I got for you, which is something I have, is your partner may want to and then you don't want to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, also different libidos, you know, right. having a high sex drive, having a low sex drive. And I do speak to a lot of aunties. Uh, who are older, who have been married mm-hmm. for many years. And they said, there's periods of time where your husband wants it all the time and then you don't want it. And also being, you know, male, female, there are times in the body, chemically, where, you mm-hmm. know, when you're teenagers, that may be when, you know, guys may want to do it now. And then I won't name names they are listening, but a lot of my male friends in their mid-30s now, they're on hymns, they're on Viagra, they're not ashamed mm-hmm. about it, you know. What about that? Well, mismatch libido is really, really common because I think it's also this myth that we think when we get into relationship that we're just always going to align in everything that we want to do. But we get hungry at different times. We're tired at different times. We have gusts of memento in our professional endeavors at different times. And it's natural to want sex at different times and with different levels of frequency. So I think you know, for people listening, it's important to remember that we are really diverse 
And the more we can make space for that being our truth, the more we can start to negotiate with each other in a way that honors each person's needs in the in the moment. And as you said, there are times in our lives where you might be really feeling it and you might want more sex than you ever imagined you'd want ever in the past. And that's okay because we go through different expectations and changes in our bodies and times in our lives, whether we have kids or work or are moving or taking care of older parents, we have a lot of demands on our schedules. And so, of course, that can influence how interested we are in our extracurricular activities. And sex is one of those things. Absolutely. And this is where I want to get into sex positivity. And I love Mm -hmm. the definition, you know, it's not about you know, getting into all the, you know, kinky trends or having sex with everybody. It's basically having a positive, healthy relationship with sex and what that means for you. Mm -hmm. Where Mm -hmm. do you even begin if, you know, for example, let's say me five years ago, because a lot of women, Mm -hmm. a lot of women listen to this podcast and I hear it all the time. They're like, where do I even begin? Like they, some people don't even want to look in the mirror. At their bodies or at their psyche? At their psyche. Yeah. 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 Well, one of the things that can be really hard sometimes to overcome is the overcoupling that we as a collective international culture have had with our relationship to sex, and then our worth as human beings. And when we grow up in a patriarchal society, which the majority of folks on this globe have, um, we get a lot of mixed messages about what it means to be sexual, who gets to be sexual, and when. And even if those things aren't communicated to us directly, we get a lot of indirect messaging and the reverberations of those direct and indirect messages start to provide for us this really arbitrary and narrow way of being in our own skin. So one of the places that can be scary, but also really helpful and necessary to start the process of reevaluating your relationship with sex is to think about how the quote unquote rules, and I'll put that word in quotations because it's so arbitrary, these like set of beliefs that have been decided by some people um, and are so pervasive and not consistent with science. So I'll just put that right out there. Um, But we've sort of been given these quote unquote rules and they shape how we see ourselves. So it can even feel scary and dicey to start asking questions, because if I ask questions, what does that mean about who I am? And will my family be okay with me asking questions or will I get cast out of these groups of people who I love? who I respect, who I want relationships with. So we sort of have to always weigh the pros and cons of following a path that is more organic to who we are. And maybe some of our relationships get wobbly or rupture, or we align with the messaging of our groups, our families, our culture, our communities, and then we're not necessarily true to ourselves about what lights us up erotically or ideologically. I love that. And I also was reading another article where you said we are in our solo sex era. And I love that because (laughs) you don't have to have sex with someone. Mm -hmm. You know, you can, if you're uncomfortable, you can start with yourself. 
Yeah, yeah. Some of the best sex I've ever had has been with myself because there's no judgment. I don't have to worry about someone else's needs. It's it's spiritual, it's dimensional, it's textural, it's amazing. And I think that's a great place for folks to start. Agree. And now I recently saw uh, one of your Instagram posts on porn in relationships. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about that. Well, porn can be a really polarizing topic. Yes. And I think it's important to parse out some of the nuance because we often conflate the porn industry with the idea of erotic material. And erotic material has been around since the dawn of the human condition because we are sexual beings and our sexuality often uh, is enriched by stimulation and visual stimulation, audio stimulation is a part of that for many people. Of course, not everybody likes visual or audio stimuli, but but many people do and it can enhance their experience. Um, But when we sort of overlap the porn industry and a lot of the exploitation that exists in the porn industry, it's easy to understand why people have a negative um, attachment to mainstream porn. But I really think a part of that and really the driving function of the porn industry is this patriarchal double standard about who gets to be sexual and in what way are some people allowed to be sexual. So when we set up that sort of ideological double standard, of course, the industry would mirror that in both its production and what it shows to the world. And then that becomes a pernicious feedback loop of objectification and exploitation. But when you look at erotic mediums and erotic um, material as something that is morality neutral, you can find producers of it that are ethical, um, who do commit to a non-objectifying gaze, and there's space to be interactive with that material in a way that might feel safer and more accessible for folks who don't want to participate in a system of objectification. Yeah. And I think you also have to be careful, you know, where in a relationship, there are so many aspects. So I've seen this too. You know, we say TMTS too much too soon on this podcast. (laughs) And a lot of people's relationship, you know, start off with sex. And then Mm -hmm. after the sex, they find out, okay, other than sex, we don't really have much in common. Mm -hmm. At the same time, how important is sex in a relationship? It depends on the people who are in the relationship because everyone has a different relationship with sex at different points in their lives, right? So it might be really important to both partners at the start of a relationship. And as they evolve and grow together, it may maintain that importance to one or both of them. It may not. But I think when we strip away shame and judgment, we're able to then have those conversations with partners more readily because the reality is that for some folks, Sex is important throughout the arc of their lifespan. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Um, and it's it's a drive that they prioritize, and it's really meaningful for them in relationships because it says something to them about the connection of their their dynamic, and that can be great if you're both on the same page. For other people, sex is not about connection, right? And we have to create space for that to be true as well. And if you can find partners who are aligned with you in that, which many are, that can be great too. So I think we have to look at the function that sex serves for partners, how they talk about it. But I mean, yeah, there's a lot of differences that we can be a lot more um, cohesive around when we just kind of talk about it with a little bit more neutrality. Yeah, I think it's important, you know, if you're getting to know someone that you have mm-hmm. somewhat of a similar sex drive, like you match sex drives yeah. as closely as you can, if possible. You know, let's say you meet mm-hmm. someone incredible and they want to have sex all the time and you don't, you know, then I guess you can work around it. But for the most mm-hmm. part, I think it can be difficult if you don't match. It it can be difficult if you don't match and if you're not able to find a negotiation that works for both of you. And I think that's where couples really um, get stuck because we do sometimes attach so much meaning to sex that it becomes hard to get creative in ways that we can brainstorm solutions that really do produce a win-win. Yeah. And now, you know, you also have a lot of couples in therapy. Like Mm -hmm. when is the right time to start couples therapy, you know, I think there's a stigma. Do you start, you know, as soon as you get engaged or you decide this is my partner, like what is the right time? It's a great question. I think that <laughs> I like, obviously I'm biased. Um, and I do recognize that accessibility can be a barrier, um, for folks who maybe don't have the resources to start therapy, But if we are sort of going all things considered, if people can afford it, I think the time to start therapy is before you need it. Um, Because if you create an intention around learning how to communicate effectively and really learning how to attune to each other in a way that you co-define and practice together, that sets your relationship up for a lot of success. I think a lot of people are afraid about what it means about them or what it means about the fate of their relationship if they start couples therapy. So they wait for a really long time and then they get there and they're so raw and so hurt and so anxious for solution that it can feel really hard to move forward. Yeah. I love that you said, you know, when it's too late, sometimes the only connection left that the people in the relationship have is the fighting. Mm-hmm. That's the connection yeah. they have because they've yeah. been, you know, emotionally avoidant and mm-hmm. they just yell at each other all the time. And that's now their new form of communication. So yeah. 
I, I love that answer. Start before you need it for everyone listening. Yeah. <laughs> and I think people are embarrassed to say they go to couples therapy. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with going to any sort of therapy. Mm-hmm. No, I look at it like we all have accountants. We all take our car to get an oil change. We do things that are preventive that set us up for long-term sustainability and long-term success where we don't have expertise ourselves. And the reality is none of us have expertise about relationships because we're all born into relationships with messy and perfect people. So when we couple up, we have an opportunity to blend our messiness with someone else's messiness and make a cohesive dance together that honors each other's stuff and also, you know, creates more of a cohesive path forward. Well, we're going to shift gears now. Okay. We're going to go from one extreme, like couples therapy to another, uh, kinks. So <laughs> I was actually, fantastic. Yeah. I was actually invited to a kink festival and I'm going on nice. 31st in San Francisco. I'm going with my sister and a few of our gay friends. I'm really excited. It's all new for me. I've seen it, you know, in movies, on TV, but now I'm going to, you know, see it in person. Mm -hmm. I feel like now more than ever, we're talking about all Mm -hmm. these things. What is it with the feet pick? (laughs) With foot fetishes? Yeah, well, there's lots of origins for why people have arousal around feet. Um, Some of the more common ones, and this is, by the way, the most common fetish, foot fetishes, um, because they're in the somatosensory part of the brain, the part of the brain that detects sensation in the genitals is right next to the part of the brain that detects sensation in the feet. So one hypothesis is that this is the most common fetish because there's energy that sort of uh, overlaps between those two parts of the brain. So we get arousal for feet and for genitals sort of at the same time, there's a little bit of bleed. Um, But other hypotheses are that we get fixated on feet because when we're younger, it's all we really can see of the adults around us. And there might've been some arousal in our bodies at some time when we happen to be noticing a foot. And so those patterns can develop and people's erotic orientations get organized. However, however, genetically and environmentally, they sort of evolve in the world. Wow. And you talk a lot about spanking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do I? A lot. Well, there's a few mentions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it can be really fun for people. Yes, you said you start slow. If anyone here mm-hmm. is listening and wants to start, you start slow. You know, you mm-hmm. don't like whack someone. <laughs> right but there's a method yeah. to all of this. It's a whole world and it should be done properly. It is. Yes. Uh, kink is, is definitely not something that I would encourage people to jump into blindly. The people who practice kink and who practice BDSM specifically um, really take great measures to make sure that they are communicating, negotiating, um, making explicit agreements. When they act out the scene, they do it with care for those agreements and they don't go outside of them. Afterwards, they practice active aftercare to avoid you know, big shifts in mood that can happen after somebody's completed a scene. 
they debrief, and then they communicate again. It's a very intentional process to make sure that everyone is safe in the process. Because when you're playing with things like pain, for example, or power dynamics, it's really easy without education around those topics for things to become abusive, even if that's not your intention. Yeah. So now I feel like all the cool girls are doing it. And for the ones that don't know how to do it, is squirting learnable? That's a great question. Um, Most of the experts would say everyone has the anatomy um, that, that is capable of making that happen. However, many experts will say that the way that some people's anatomy are organized can make it more challenging or not always accessible to some people. But definitely the school of thought is that if you have a vulva, a vagina, all of those parts, you are capable of squirting. If you can work with your own body to put pressure in the right places. And what is praise king? So a praise kink is really when somebody has arousal around being praised for something or delivering praise to someone. Now, I know that sounds sort of like a master of the obvious answer, but it can be something simple like good boy or good girl. Um, It can be something like worshiping someone and calling them a goddess or a master and sort of being really um, in service and, and praising. But usually it goes from a dom to a sub And it's a really endearing way that people can express adoration, affection, um, and gratitude for their service. Um, So it can be really hot for folks. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't feel good when someone praises them, right? In in life. Some people don't, right? (laughs) But, But for lots of people, they don't get enough of it in their real life. And so it's really, really hot in their sex life and it gives them a space where they can just absolutely be adored and nurtured. I love that. And now you've, you know, contributed to Poosh, but a lot of Mm -hmm. people I want to put out there, you have your own company. You're a founder of a company called Modern Intimacy. Do you want to tell Mm -hmm. us about that? Thank you. Um, Yes. So I did found a a group psychotherapy practice. This is the second psychotherapy practice that I have founded. Um, And we have therapists who are licensed to work with folks in five different states, New York, Florida, Illinois, Colorado, and California. And we're always expanding. Um, I started Modern Intimacy because like many other psychologists and sex therapists, I recognize that there's really a dearth of appropriate sex education out there in the world. And there is a need for people to have a space where they can get access to free information. So we have a lot of blogs, we do a lot of webinars, all of that can be free. We do workshops to help people become more expansive in their sexuality. Um, And we also, of course, work with people individually and as couples um, or in any relational dynamic that they might be in um, to really help them address trauma, their mental health, and the intersection with relationships and sexuality. Love that. And now if people want an appointment, can they have one with you? They can. I have a little bit of a wait list, but absolutely, they can go to our website and schedule that consultation with our team and, and they'll get uh, that consultation with me Amazing. or any one of our clinicians. Yeah. And is there anything you want to tell the people listening, mostly women? 
Well, I think one of the things that I just consistently say to people who identify as women or who were raised as women is that you get to have a relationship with sexuality that is yours. It's on your terms. You get to go at a pace that feels comfortable for you. And you don't have to apologize for what you like or don't like to anyone. You don't have to explain it. You don't even have to know why you like or don't like what you do. You get to define it on your terms. Um, And that's really important to me because when, for so many women growing up, they are, again, directly and indirectly conditioned that their sexual pleasure is in service of their partner's pleasure. And that's a really insidious message that conveys this expectation that you can only have fun if it's for someone else. And I think that that really speaks to a a pretty core fear that a lot of women have in stepping into their sexuality and embracing the power that comes with that. It's pretty amazing. And so I think women get to do that in the same way people of all other genders get to do that. And the more we encourage each other to talk about it, think about it, explore it, set our own terms, the less shame there is, the more pleasure there is, the more equality there is. And that's really important. Yeah. And I think what you're doing is amazing. I feel like you have a great platform and, you know, you're not afraid to talk about it. And, you know, you're helping a lot of people. And I appreciate you coming on here. People can find you on TikTok and on Instagram at mm-hmm. Dr. Kate Balistrieri. And, you know, guys, look up Modern Intimacy. Thank you so much. This has been so fun. I really appreciate your thoughtful questions and, and the time having me on to talk about this today. Thank you so much for coming on, Dr. Kate. Thank you so much for sipping the chai with me this week. If you like the show, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also find me on Instagram at Anish Ramakrishna. I would love to hear from you. Join me next week for more chai. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. 
Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thank you so much for sipping the chai with me this week. If you like the show, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also find me on Instagram at Anish Ramakrishna. I would love to hear from you. Join me next week for more chai. 